what has uh, happened since we were here last Sunday morning is undeniable. In many ways, in the 60-plus year history of this church, it's unparalleled. We have had moves of God. We have had significant moves of God in this room, in the old worship center at SCA, but this week has been unique. In a season of real heaviness, in a season of many being discouraged, in a season where even going into refresh, some of us are panicked looking at a tropical storm brewing with a projected path to come this way because Satan loves to play on fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. You, you can't have fear and have a sound mind because a sound mind is a renewed mind. And a renewed mind believes what God says, not what somebody happened to project that's three or four days out. It's unparalleled to see this many students come to Christ. It's unparalleled to see high school and middle school students going to elementary classes and talking to them and praying with them and praying for them. It's unparalleled for a young lady to leave and go to her church, not this church, go to her church and share what has happened at SCA and 20 young people at that church give their lives to Christ. Now listen, this is what happens when God shows up. Here's what we have to do, and I've already given this to a few people and to our staff and to uh, our pastor's prayer partners this morning. Don't try to control and do not quench what God is doing. Our job is not to orchestrate, but to steward, just like we steward our resources and we steward our family time and we steward our work time. Our job is to steward a work of God that the enemy doesn't get in it and steal it and squander it and distort it and that we help when the water comes in that it hits the riverbed and that there is a river of water. There is a flow of water that is coming in and through this church. It is no coincidence that of all the years we've been doing refresh, and going out to the school that this year, I just, two things happened. One was the theme unshakable. Two was, I didn't feel prompted for any outside speaker to come in and speak to SCA. I don't know why. I made that decision in the spring. And, and Garrett went out and preached. And Garrett has been here navigating and walk, walking through and watching what God has been doing with our students and in our school and outside our school. And he was positioned to speak into it, not as a stranger, 
but as someone that could speak to the moment that we were in. And then Paul Gotthardt calls me weeks ago and says, you know, I believe God's changing the direction of my message, and, and I don't know why. This is almost a month ago. But I believe I'm supposed to speak on despair and discouragement and how we need to find God in times of despair and discouragement. And I said, absolutely. And then Tom Elliff ends on Wednesday night with gratitude. A sign of salvation is gratitude. You know, it's like the old Southern Gospel song says, if you're happy and you know it, notify your face. I mean, we ought to be grateful. I, I laid down that night, exhausted from the week, and I laid down that night and thought of everything I could that I was grateful to God for that would not have happened in my life had not Jesus saved me. Amen. Gratitude. I want to introduce you to a woman you may have met previously but I want you to meet her again. She's found in Mark chapter 5. She's known as the woman with the issue of blood. This is one of the miracles of Jesus. This is one of the moments, one of the significant moments in, in Mark's gospel. And, and I praise God for the deep work, but, but we must not rest on it. God has done this for us to build on it, not to worship it, but to do the work of God in this world for the glory of God based on what he's done with us. Now, three of the four Gospels record the story of this woman, but I'm going to use it out of uh, Mark chapter 5 and verse 24. And he went off with him. Now, just stop right there. We're studying on Sunday nights how to study the Bible for yourself. The context of this is that Jairus has come to Jesus to talk to him about his daughter. And so Jesus is leaving. He's moving from where he is, headed toward Jairus' house to, to deal with his daughter who was sick and dying. And so this is the context. He went off with him. Who's him? You've got to read the verses before it. Jairus. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now, I really like the way King James translates this. The crowd was thronging him. I mean, this is, this is like, listen, I grew up in the 60s. This is like the Beatles. You know, all the girls are screaming and going nuts. They never hear a word of the song. If you ever watch a documentary on that, all the, and what songs do they sing? I don't know. I was screaming the whole time. They never heard the songs. The Beatles quit touring because they couldn't hear themselves singing because the screaming was so loud. That's what this crowd is doing. I mean, Jesus is a rock star. He has is, he is not yet come to the point of pressing in on the cost of discipleship, and they're following him because of the miracles. And so this crowd is thronging him. I mean, they're just pressing in. They're just going, yeah, I mean, let's just put this in 2019. Jesus, would you stop and take a selfie with me? 
What'd you say? So I could send it to all my friends. I bet I get 9,000 likes on Instagram. I could probably increase by 4,000 followers. Would you stop it? Would you? Hold on, Jesus. Slow down a little bit. Let me get this picture right here. I got to post this. They missed the moment trying to get a picture. They missed the moment. I mean, they've got the Son of God. God in flesh, walking with them. And they're just crowded around. Ooh, let's go see what he does next. Let's go see what he does next. They're pressing in. And a woman, she is singled out from this whole crowd. One woman. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years. And had endured much at the hands of many physicians. And had spent all that she had and was not helped at all. But rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak or the hem of his garment. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. What's the next word in verse 29? Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. What's the next word? Immediately, Immediately Jesus perceived him in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around and in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, thronging you, pushing you, and you say, Who touched me? I mean, his disciples are thinking, you know, maybe he got up on the wrong side of the bed today. Maybe he's just a little paranoid. Maybe he's a germaphobe. Maybe he's, maybe he's Brian Kelly or, or, or Dan Bingo. They just don't want to be touched. You know, just, don't, just stay away. Back up. Oh, you won. And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, that is a term of endearment. That's a term of endearment. Only two people in the Bible does Jesus call daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. First point, press in. Press in. Press in. This is going to be short, so stay with me. Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. There's this large crowd, but only this woman has a miraculous encounter. Now, there's the same time scale. It's interesting that as Mark writes this, and Mark is writing the Cliff Notes version almost of the Gospels, it's interesting that this little girl that Jesus is going to see is 12 years old and this woman has had this affliction for 12 years. One is young and has life ahead of her. One has been dealing with something for 12 years and thinks that life is over unless Jesus comes. By the way, in both situations, if Jesus doesn't step in, it's over. It's over. The restoration of the fullness of life of this woman anticipates the resuscitation of the fullness of life in the crowd. We can come to church, and we can be like this crowd. We can press in. We can be close. I mean, some of you are sitting closer to people than you want to sit. Say, well, you know, I'm sitting. It's, it's, 
this is a crowd in here today, and I just, I feel a little close. You can be close and not touch Jesus. You can be in the church house and not be God. I mean, you, you, you can be pressed in and not meet the Lord and not see the Lord. You see, there's a difference between the curious and the committed. There's the difference between the fear of missing out. Oh, Jesus is coming through town. I don't want to miss that. There's a fear of missing out and the fear of missing him. There's a difference between saying I was in the crowd and being the one woman who said, and God healed me and God touched me. There's a difference between a crowd and a congregation. You see, you can press into a crowd, but to get to Jesus, you got to not throng him. you got to get close enough to touch him. Secondly, press on. Press on. This woman is singled out in three of the four Gospels. She suffered from this incurable disease. She's broke. There was no health insurance in those days. She has spent everything she's got. As far as we know, she's a single woman. There's no mention of any family. She is, according to Leviticus 15, ceremonially unclean. So even if she wanted to come and be with God's people, according to the law, she couldn't come. She would be turned away at the door. You're unclean. We can't touch you. She couldn't go to Chick-fil-A and eat a chicken sandwich and have a glass of tea, half sweet, half unsweet. Large, please. She couldn't go do that with anybody else because she was unclean. So she was isolated. She was alone. She can't attend the synagogue. She can't move among people. But she is so desperate, she goes into the middle of a crowd where it was possible if they had seen the blood on her garments, they would have kicked her out. But she was so desperate, she was going to do anything to get to Jesus. She'd heard about Jesus and that he was passing by. And she said, maybe if I can just get to him. You see, human extremity is God's opportunity. Some of us have never gotten desperate enough to press through the crowd to get to Jesus. Oh, there's too many people. Oh, that people will notice. That's why everybody Jesus called, he called publicly. Because if you won't stand for him in public, there's a doubt that you have a relationship with him in private. You see, he, he, he calls her out, and she was not content to stay in her situation. She was done. She had no more money. She couldn't make any more appointments. She was getting worse and worse, and life had knocked the props out from under her, and she comes to Jesus. By the way, life has a way of doing that. Life has a way of knocking the props out from under us. And as difficult as it was, she left home. She's desperate, but she's not just desperate. She had faith. I don't know what kind of faith it was. I don't know if it was big faith or little faith, but she had enough faith to say, I've heard enough about Jesus that if he is the real deal, if he's really who he says he is, if I could just touch his garments, I believe I could be made whole. And so she comes to Jesus in faith. And, and we, we don't know the, the quantity, but we know the object of faith. 
It was Jesus. And even after Jesus healed her, she's in fear and trembling. Listen, the greatest blessings of God come to people who are desperate enough to believe that if I can get to Jesus, God can help me. I mean, think about the, the man on the mat. He couldn't get to Jesus. He called four friends. Maybe he texted them. Maybe he was on a group text. And he texted four friends and said, I need to get to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. They couldn't get in the door. The room was packed. And so they said, well, there's a blue tarp on this roof anyway. Must be a hole. So we'll just go in that way. And they lower him down into the room and Jesus heals him. Think about Zacchaeus. He's a little guy. I mean, Zacchaeus, I mean, people weren't tall in that day and age, so he, he might have been under five feet tall, and he wants to see Jesus, so what does he do? Climbs a tree. Climbs a tree. Why? He wants to see Jesus. Who did Jesus eat with that night? Zacchaeus. Why? He noticed the effort. I want to tell you something. Works don't save you, but Jesus does notice the people that desperately want to get to him. And so, think about the rich ruler. He comes to Jesus, and he, basically this is what the rich ruler says. He says, I, I, want to, I want to be in your kingdom. I want to be a part of your family, but here are my conditions. And Jesus says, sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And the rich ruler left sad. Why? Because he went to Jesus on his terms. He didn't come to Jesus on Jesus' terms. God, God didn't ask us all to give up everything we got. But here's what Jesus knew about the rich ruler. He knew that money was his God. And so he's going to test him on what his heart was committed to. You see, God meets people who are faithful at the point of their desperation. And she makes this one last gasp. I want you to think about this lady. She's lost her pride She's lost her dignity. She's lost her self-esteem. She's lost her money. She's barely existing. She's in a weakened condition, and she's determined to get to Jesus. So last point, press through. Press through. She didn't just get close. Close only counts with hand grenades and horseshoes. She didn't just get close. She pressed through, and Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? The disciples thought, that's a weird question. That's a strange question. Jesus perceived that power had gone out of him. Who touched my garments? A good translation of this verse is power from him on account of who he was had gone out onto someone. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't shrug his shoulders and say, that's interesting. I just sense power come out of me. He turns to find who it was. He turns to find who it was. Now, the reason we don't have the garments of Jesus is because we would worship the garments. You know, we'd have a tour. You know, there's a 184-city tour of the garments of Jesus that this woman touched. And if you touch them, you'll be healed too. That's what fake preachers tell you. It's not the garments. It's not the prayer cloth. It's not the oil. It's always Jesus. Because if we worship anything other than Jesus, we are worshiping something he created, not him. So he calls her out. Why? Because Jesus wants a relationship with us. 
He doesn't want us isolated. He wants us in a relationship. He calls her out and she comes into his presence. She's alone. She's alone in her sin. She's alone in her suffering. And the disciples say, you see the crowd pressing on you and you say, who touched me? They didn't see God in the moment. Let me ask you something. If we just stop right now, right here, we just stop right now. Have you seen God in the moment today? Or is it just, just gone right over your head? You see, you can be a disciple of Jesus and miss the moment. You can be a church member and miss the moment. You could be here right now and miss the moment. The moment. When God is moving and God is working and we just kind of hang around the fringes. I love this quote by Vance Havner. The same is true today. We go to church on Sunday. We crowd the Lord. We pay him respect. But few, very few ever really touch him with a faith that lays hold of his divine virtue. We sit in church. We listen but we are not overwhelmed with urgency and emergency. The whole matter is one we can take or leave. No one has ever experienced God in a moment when you can take it or leave it. No one has ever really been to church if you can take it or leave it. Jesus calls for lordship, for us to be committed followers of him. If I can take it or leave it, it must not be much to it. Now I can walk by a lot of things in a grocery store and take it or leave it. I get to double stuff Oreos, that's a different statement. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Has your Christianity become the crowd and you think it's a cafeteria line where you can go through and say, well, I want a little of the jello, not the green, the orange, and I want a little of the carrot, the carrot salad, and, and I'll take the mashed potatoes and, and uh, mm, let's see, I'll, I'll do the corny, I'll put some gravy on the mashed potatoes, but, but I don't want the asparagus, I don't want the broccoli, I don't want the green beans, and I want the fried chicken, I don't want the lasagna, I don't want... Has, has your Christianity become a cafeteria line where you think you can pick and choose what you want from Jesus and he's still going to be Lord of your life? That's not the way it works, folks. When he's Lord, he's boss, he's master. He's Lord of all. So let me ask you a question. What's hindering you today? What's keeping you from getting to Jesus today? Is it a fear of what other people think? It is the crowd? Is it peer pressure? Is it that you don't want to lose control of your life, which you really don't have control of your life? Is it you've given up on God or yourself? Is it that you're looking for other options? Is it that you're not desperate? This woman confessed what she had done. She confessed that Jesus was the one who met her at the point of her need. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith 
has made you whole. Now, use your sanctified imagination for half a second. Nobody has told her good news in 12 years. Every doctor's meeting is a bad meeting. Every encounter is a bad encounter. Every time she goes out in the community, people walk and get on the other side because they don't want to be close to her because they're afraid to talk to her. They're afraid to be around her. She is unclean. And for the first time, first time in 12 years, listen, some of you, some of you got good news yesterday and you're already over it. She hasn't heard one good thing in 12 years. Hey, I'm kind of like Daniel. Slide over some. You need to dance a little bit. Well, that's not very proper. Listen, if I had not heard good news in 12 years, I'll tell you, I'd do something. Something. That's a southern word, isn't it? I'd do something. 12 years, she heard nothing. I want to ask you to bow your heads. You know what Jesus called her out to do? He called her out to testify about what had happened in her life, to share her story of what had happened in her life. Word testify simply can be an acrostic. Tell every sinner, I forgive you. See, she didn't just get made well. She got a relationship with Christ. Getting well is great, but a relationship with Christ, that lasts beyond everything. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I, I want you to just listen. I don't, don't look around. We're going to... We'll ask our staff to get in position, but I just think that there's somebody here today, the Lord's passing by. I mean, the Lord's right with you. He's whispering in your ear. He's tapping you on the heart. He's saying, today's the day. Now's the time. Give your heart to Jesus. Get your baptism right. Come and be a part of the church. Get connected to what you're supposed to be connected to. Get all in. Get all in.